You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. With Jonathan Batoshnak, some people know him as the Lawn Care Millionaire, co-founder of Service Autopilot. Here doing some live Q&A, so if you have some questions, drop below. Um, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Uh, Jonathan, hanging out in Dallas, Texas at the SA headquarters. Um, just want to let everyone know kind of why we're here. Um, just flew out um, attending the Elite Academy. So Service Autopilot, um, if you're unaware, has a academy where they help and mentor uh, lawn care, home cleaning businesses, service businesses, uh, how to grow and scale a business to you know, basically get to that million mark and beyond and learn from Jonathan's teachings of working with thousands and thousands of businesses to grow and scale a business. So um, as a certified advisor of Service Autopilot, uh, Simple Growth came out to uh, lead the lend a hand with the members about automations and different processes and systems. So um, not often that we get some time with you, John, with your compressed schedule. So I really appreciate that. Um, but we're going to answer some questions that were submitted um, previously. And if you have them, drop them below and we'll get to them. Um, so diving into that, Jonathan, if you wanted to uh, just give us a little reflection of what's happened the last few days here at Service Autopilot, we'll dive into the uh, questions. Okay. So as Mike said, we have Academy members here in Dallas, and it, there's two parts to Academy, and we call one portion of Academy Elite, and the Elite group gets together four times a year, and we travel, go different places. The idea is that the group gets together, works together, networks. We've changed up Academy a bit, and now for the Elite trips, a lot of our members are coming into Dallas, spending three days with us where we work on their business with them. We help them implement things. Our entire marketing team's available to them our video teams available. And so basically the idea is we want to spend three days with the elite team members that are part of Academy and try to help them take another step forward inside their business, utilizing our resources and the teams that we've built, the knowledge that we've accumulated. So there's a much longer explanation probably required, but that's why everyone's in town. And, and our Academy members on one of our monthly elite calls said that they'd love to have Mike in town so that while they're here, they could get some help with their automations. They could work with Mike on automations. He's obviously the expert in that. And so uh, we asked Mike if he'd fly in town. And so he's been spending the last three days with us and, and the, the Service Autopilot team and our uh, Academy Elite members. Yeah, absolutely. Great experience. If it's something you're checking out, um, when the availability is, is open for Academy, um, something I've never been exposed to, but just a really amazing platform. Um, I wasn't sure what the context of it was, but a lot of like-minded business owners working together. So if you haven't checked out Service Autopilot Academy, um, I would highly recommend it after spending the last few days with these folks and the amazing team at SA. We'll open it up again in November. It's been closed since March. We'll open in November. Right now you can get on the waiting list. We always have a cap. It always caps out every year. We'll only take so many. So if you want sort of first priority, or first right of refusal, I'd recommend you put your name on the waiting list and we'll reach out to you around November. See if you're interested. Awesome. So um, got the first submitted question yep. here we've got to pull this up. And um, yeah, so what we'll do is we're going to answer some number of your questions. Uh, we've got to get back to the elite members that are in town uh, today. So we're going to we're going to do this, though, for a bit. And and while we're waiting on some questions to come in, I, I we will lead off with one question. Let me give you a little context. So on the Lawn Care Millionaire YouTube channel, if you've never seen it, you can check out Lawn Care Millionaire on YouTube. And I've got probably 600 videos. I have no idea how many videos are out there. There's a lot of them. And so if you know me, then you know I'm fairly passionate about, we talk about this a lot in the Academy, I'm very passionate about the idea of building your business to a place where eventually it can run without you or you're not required. 
you have a leadership team and that's hard and it takes a long time to get to that place and it takes a lot of work and it's expensive but it's it's what owning a business really is about if you don't get to that place yeah you're a business owner but you to some degree always own a job and so i'm really passionate about getting there and i talk about it a lot and there's a lot of reasons i feel strongly one it makes your company far more sellable uh, also, the stats are really negative on an individual that doesn't bring up, build a team with some backup resources and leadership people in place and, and, and basically people that can do the work alongside them and, and not have everything on them. The stats say that if you don't get to that place, eventually you'll burn out inside your company and your company will never sell for maximum value. In fact, the, the, the math also says you'll probably never sell your company. So there's just so many negatives around not building a bigger company. Um, and so. I talk a lot about, and it's a little bit of the theme of Academy, is how do you build a company to a place where eventually it could run without your involvement? And I should also add, that doesn't mean you can't participate. It doesn't mean you can't come to your company. But how do you get it to a place that if you didn't come in a, and you're gone for a month, it will keep growing without you. It'll keep functioning. In fact, it'll continue to improve month after month. But again, it doesn't mean you can't be there. It doesn't mean you can't participate. So I talk about this a lot on the Lawn Care Millionaire channel. I talk about it a lot on Academy. And I got a question as a a comment and under a video that I just put up the other day because someone said, and I've heard it many times, well, what if I don't want to build a bigger business? What if I just love doing the work in the field? And so I put up a, bit, uh, a video and essentially I said, look, if that's what you want, this is the beauty of building your own company. Like you, you need to figure out what you want out of life and what matters to you and not compare yourself to everyone else and figure out what it is you want. If what you want is to be a solo operation and you love that, do it. That's the awesome thing about business. We no, get, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, do it. That's, they're in, in comparing yourself to someone else and thinking that you're lesser or you're achieving less or should feel bad about yourself because you don't have the same dream as they do is is not worth it. I, one of my favorite new quotes that I've heard is comparison is the death of joy. And so I love that quote because we all run around comparing ourselves. So my point here is if you want to build a business that's only you and a truck or you and a couple team members, do it. But what I don't want you to do is build that kind of business because you have had a couple bad experiences with team members or you've had a couple bad experiences with having a lot of clients. And the reason you had the negative experience is because you had the wrong people or the wrong clients. I want to challenge you and say you might be able to build a bigger business and get all you want. Don't just assume that it can't be an enjoyable experience. And so big setup to now get to the question. So I, I posted this video saying, build what you want. That it's, that's the awesome thing about business. Build what you want. And I, and I gave a little explanation like I gave to you and someone then put in a comment. I'm gonna read that to you and I'm gonna answer it. Were you trying to chime, say something a moment ago? No, absolutely. Okay. This whole point is just provide value. Okay. And uh, we've got Jonathan in the studio, so we want to uh, provide this for sure. So this individual said, hey, Jonathan, please make a video speaking to the end goal of uh, a lawn care business. Do you, and this, what I'm about to say applies to a lawn care business, a cleaning business, a security business, a pool business, whatever. It's a trade, in the trades, there's a lot of similarities. So I'll, I'll use some lawn care examples, but if you're not in the lawn care world, you can apply what I'm about to say to your business. Do you sell and cash out or are you attached to the business indefinitely? Specifically, what would be some of the items to ensure the business would receive maximum value at selling time? So I'm just gonna kind of talk through this a little bit. So. I tend to be a little bit more attached to the business indefinitely because I have maybe a high level of confidence that I can turn it into something big. And so I don't feel a need to walk away from it. Um, second, I'm attached to the business indefinitely because 
if you build the team right and you have a leadership team, then most of the negatives you imagine around a business, such as just kind of always eating up your time, never getting weekends, not being able to go on vacations, having to carry the load and the burden of the business on your shoulders versus being able to have other people help you with that. The, the things you would normally imagine that just wear an owner down and tire them out. If you build the company right with leadership team, you, yes, you're going to have challenging days, but that won't be your experience. So if you end up with a business that makes you really good money and it's not a burden, again, doesn't mean there won't be hard days, then why leave that thing? Like why, why sell it? And I'll give you an example. Let's just say you did build a really big company and you sold it and you cashed out for a million dollars or 10 million or whatever the number is. I know for some that just sounds like absurd money, but it's realistic. And let's say you did walk away with this big amount of money. What would you go do with the money? Like you could rattle off some things. I'd go maybe do real estate. I'd go, I'd invest in the stock market. I would, you could just name all kinds of things. I'd buy bonds. I would invest in gold, whatever. Okay. Well, that's a whole new kind of business. It's a whole new kind of challenge. There's a whole new learning curve. And generally the returns that most people imagine they can get in those businesses are completely wrong about the, the amount of return they can get. The reason I say this is, let's just say that historically the stock markets, and I know I'm going slightly off in turning this into a bigger bigger topic, but I want to frame my answer. So let's say historically the stock market has returned 7% or some amount of that sort over a very long time horizon. And if your business is producing 10 or 15% net profit after your salary, so 15% net profit, you build it, you built the cash base in your business, meaning the business in terms of a downturn. Now it's spinning off 15% cash after your salary or your partner's salary. Where are you going to generally go get a 15% return? You can go get it in real estate. You can go get it in other places, but generally, and I know there's exceptions, but generally those types of businesses where you get the really high return, they're not going to be just pure passive investments. To get the high returns in some of these other businesses, you're going to have to get involved and run those investments like businesses. So basically you traded something that paid you a big return that was ran by a leadership team for just a new kind of business. And that may or may not make you more money. And so that's why I tend to say, if you build a really great business with a leadership team, there's an argument to holding the business and letting it continue to grow in that asset to, to grow in value. So that's that's one way to look at it. So I tend to like the idea of holding, unless there's just some big risk factor coming down the road that could jeopardize your, your business and your revenue stream and the profits that are, you're able to extract from it. So that that's my preference, but there's a whole nother line of thinking. And that is that you get out of, when you take the money off the table, whenever there's an opportunity to take the money off the table, you de-risk your at your investments. So, you, so if you build the company up and you could get a million dollars or hundred thousand or five hundred, and that sounds like a good number to you, then you take the money off the table if the offer comes. There's a lot of people that believe that. I tend to not be as excited about that. So let's say that your mindset is that you might want to take the money off the table someday. So then you want to think about your business strategically and you want to imagine what the ultimate buyer of your business might be uh, looking for, what they would be interested in. So we'll stick with the lawn care world. In the lawn care world, you have design build and construction, you have maintenance, be it commercial residential, you, you've got fertilization weed control. In some states, pest control companies tend to 
be pulled under the lawn care umbrella. All of those different profit centers in a business, all those lines of business, those services, they carry a, a different type of valuation in terms of when you go to sell the business. Likewise, if your work is recurring versus one-time work, it, it carries an entirely different valuation. Financially, the acquirer will value recurring work in a completely different way than they'll value construction type of uh, project-based work, okay? So I can just tell you that the highest multiple, the most attractive type of business to own if you wanna resell your business, generally is fertilization and weed control. And the design build businesses are way less attractive. The irrigation repair is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't know my exact numbers, but installation's gonna have a, a lower valuation, the recurring, Fertilization and weed control is going to hire, have a higher valuation. Why? Recurring helps valuation. Another why is because fertilization weed control carries a lot more profit. Another why that a business like that is more profitable is because there's a lower level of risk in that business during an economic downturn. You have less ups and downs and there's more smoothness to the revenue cycle. Um, so what's one of the first things that might go in a big downturn? The big projects. The project work will disappear. And so if you're the acquirer of that business, you're taking on a lot of risk. You're gonna pay less for that business because you're assuming risk. Whereas if you acquire a say, top of the market fertilization, weed control or pest control, there's a lot more recurring element to it. There might be a big, uh, might be a big residential element to it. It's a much more profitable business. There's a lot less likelihood that the clients will all cancel that service during an economic downturn. So there's less risk, it carries a bigger premium. So those are the things you want to think about. So I couldn't possibly, and I know I'm going into a lot of detail here, but I think this is a big topic. And so I believe that you need to think through what it is you want out of your business. I know what I want out of my business is to keep the business. I love the team. I love the business. I love the industry. I like the potential. I think the opportunity in the future is massive. Um, there's problems, there's risks, labor, there's a whole number, there's potential environmental problems, maybe in fertilization we control someday. There's a, there are risks, but I am optimistic that the, the potential outweighs the risk. And so for me, I would not want to exit the business. You've got to decide what's right for you. And, and then when you decide what's right for you, if exiting the business someday is the right thing to do, then you want to back into it, as I said, and figure out what would the buyer most value, and you build your business around that. I'd also say that even if you plan to hold the business, you want to think that way. If somebody's willing to pay a premium for this kind of a business, it's probably a pretty good indicator that's a good business for you to be in. There is a reason why they're willing to pay more money for that business. And so even if you don't think you'll sell someday, you still want to build your business in such a way that you could sell it. And we have a, a fella, in fact, uh, that in November, on November 1st at our SA5 conference, will be speaking on this exact topic, how to build your business to sell it, valuation, things of that sort. So if this is the topic that's really interesting to you, we're bringing someone in that really knows this topic to speak to you at SA5. Wow, and just, that was a complete just knowledge bomb there, but it, it, I'm hearing you right, Jonathan, no matter whether you're looking to sell this business, you're looking to keep it forever to retire on eventually, maybe hand it off to the kids. Mm -hmm. um, if you're getting into this or you're starting to rephrase your business, reframe it, um, reverse engineering from the end goal backwards is probably gonna be the ideal market, what's your ideal client look like, and is it a reoccurring revenue service? I know I was at the uh, Lawn and Landscape Magazine top 100 companies of the whole entire uh, country, and they talked about this in depth, and it seems like there's a huge movement right now across the US and even Canada where companies are going out, um, equity firms are actually buying out these lawn care companies because 
uh, they're looking at the reoccurring revenue and the value that people are building in these businesses. Originally, uh, that wasn't something we've seen in our industry, but that shift is coming. So I think to add to that, at the end of the day, you are going to, if your business is your retirement plan, um, reverse engineering for the maximum value is something to be taken away. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we had a couple of quick questions. Uh, time, time is limited, obviously, because we got to get back to the academy. But um, we got a couple of people asking questions yep. here before we wrap this up. Um, Want to give a quick shout out to Brandon Peterman. We did adjust the chair, so yes, we are about the same height today. Um, let's just see. So this is a big one that just popped up. Hello, interested in hearing about your thoughts and comments about the labor situation. Uh, a lot of contractors are struggling across the uh, country. Um, and affecting growth. It's the H2B problem. Um, if you're not familiar with that, that's the legal way of bringing in temporary work yep. visa people. Um, that's been a big hot topic, especially with government regulations. Any take on how to go out and recruit and train uh, these rock star employees, whether they're H2B or internal in the U.S.? Make sure you subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a podcast. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. So there's no relief coming, in my opinion. So don't bother hoping for something that's not going to happen. You've got to build a plan to solve the problem for yourself, to outcompete your competitors. Uh, the, you know, I, last year I spoke at our at SA4 and actually sort of I, predicted. He, he, he predicted this. the black swan event. And this <laughs> yeah. is exactly what Jonathan uh, predicted. So if you're checking out, uh, want to come to SA5, Jonathan was probably six or seven months ahead letting the members know, the people at that conference, this is what's coming down the pipeline. I didn't know if it was coming this year, but I was worried about this. And so I sort of got not lucky because it sucks. <laughs> but I, the timing worked out pretty nice, you know, in terms of I said it and then we ended up with this challenge. But the reason I said that is what I said, I was really trying to make a point. What I said last year at SA4 was there is no solution coming unless there's a massive economic decline. Like the economy is just good. If it keeps getting hotter, and I, and I understand that a lot of individuals have different opinions about how well the economy is doing, and that's because there are multiple economies within our economy. Different people are having different levels of success. But my point here is unless there's a big downturn and a bunch of lawn care companies, cleaning companies really pull back in terms of their size and the amount of work they're doing, which means they let employees go, or they these same companies quit growing, trying to attract more employees then the labor force is just going to be completely dry as it is right now. The, the, the only way you're going to see an easy labor market again is for a very significant number of your competitors to be badly hurt, which will free up their labor. Well, if that happens, that also means the consumer is getting hurt. So it's not good for any of us unless you're like the best of the best at marketing and you capitalize on that opportunity. And that's a real strategy. And, and, and a lot of really savvy companies actually make a lot of their gains in the down markets. And so there's no solution coming. I told you all of that to make sure you're, I'm clear, there's no solution coming. So the only thing you can do is to figure out how to win the game and outcompete. So right now, the number one problem in a company of our type, the businesses we're in, it's labor. It's not marketing. Marketing is cakewalk. It's easy. You can get so much work right now and not even have any skill. One day that'll change and you're going to have to, it'll go back to, you're really going to have to be a top marketer to get work because people aren't spending. So you're going to have to get them to park. It's going to mean you're going to really have to get good at, at the marketing hat, that part of the business. But right now that's a cakewalk. People that don't know anything are getting business. So the problem right now is labor. So you have to apply your marketing skills to the labor problem. So you have to be aggressive. 
Yeah, you have to be advertising everywhere. You have to be writing all of your ad copy to attract employees around what they're thinking about, what they're worrying about, what matters to them. If you're hiring, say, a Spanish-speaking worker, then you need to make sure that you're using words and language that match the way they talk and think. And, and, you know, and, and so if you don't speak Spanish, but you're running Spanish ads, you need to get someone to help you write that Spanish ad. And what words do you use? And I use that as an example. You need to get in the mind of the individual you're recruiting. If you're recruiting a irrigation repair technician, like what do they value in a company? What are the perks that you could build into your company? What are the things you can do for your team that'll make you more attractive? Who can you give? How can you financially incent your team to bring you business, to bring you not business, um, prospects, leads, individuals that you could hire? Where do the people that you tend to hire work and live? Where do they transact and do business? Where do they go to church? What vendors do they buy their equipment from? You go get them. So there comes a point in business where in your little market, from a marketing standpoint, you, you're running all the pay-per-click ads you can run. You're doing the social media. You're putting out the door hangers. You're ticking the box. And, and if you're in a little bitty market, eventually you're consuming most of the lead flow. And so when you want to take your business to the next level and have more control, then to get more clients and grow faster, you have to go get the leads. You can't just wait for them to passively come to you. So you go do door knocking and you do things of that sort to get more marketing clients or, or more lead flow. Exact same thing is true in labor. When we are in a place where they're just not coming to you, they're not looking, they don't need to look. If they were to quit today or be fired today, they have a job this afternoon. You have to go get your team. They're, they're not coming to you. So if you're waiting for them to come to you or you're waiting, if waiting is any part of your thinking or vocabulary, you're losing. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not gonna so happen. you have to figure out what I said, where they live, how do they transact, get into their brain, what do they want, what would be like, how could I be more, um, how could I represent myself and take a better care of my team where I'm the company in my market that everybody wants to work for? How can I overpay or outpay everyone else by getting my prices up? Um, in the market so that I can afford to hire better people and I can afford to go recruit them. You got to think about all that stuff and it's and you can't solve it in two months. It's a, it's a project you start right now if you want to start solving it for 2019. And so that's the stuff I'd be thinking about. Just remember, go get them. And remember, get in their head, what do they want? And then cater all of your marketing, your language and how you set up your company to deliver that thing to them that they want. So if you're listening to this live or watching the recorded version, one of the biggest takeaways I'm seeing here is if you want to be successful in 2019, what the companies are doing is succeeding just like Jonathan and his company, City Church. They're going out now and setting a game plan for 2019. So it's not March or February of next year waiting and saying, holy cow, we sold all this work. They're creating a bench or a labor pool that's ready to go. And, and they're actively going out. Um, you can't just go out and try to do your interviewing once or twice a week like we've been doing internally in our company at Callahan. But we actually have to go out to the vendors in the different places and proactively scout or recruit these people. Yep. Um, I mean, we're not necessarily pulling them off trucks from other companies in our company, but mm. if they look dissatisfied, we're giving them a business card. And, hey, at any point you ever want to make a jump or this is the kind of culture we have, we're proactively trying to build that relationship, just like we do in our marketing with sales. So yep. um, I'd add, oh, oh, good. I'd add, you know, there's this misconception of us business owners that, um, this lawn care world or whatever world you're in or cleaning, there's just no people. And that, that's not a misconception. That part is true. There are no people. We have this misconception that we're the ones suffering in our industry. It is everywhere. Yes, we are. It is really hard in our industry and we are suffering to find enough people. But I live in the software world. This is where I'm at every day. We have a full-time recruiter. Like It is hard, unbelievably hard to find people. 
we spent several hundred thousand last year in recruiting fees just to go find people in software. It's brutal all over if you're in a good business, if you're in a good economy, because there's tons of competition, things are going well. So the reason I wanted to tell that story is because there's all these problems you're going to go through in this in your business that you have now. Like there's going to be problems figuring out how to market. There's going to be problems building your team. There's going to be problems with team members. There's going to be problems finding labor. There's a million things you're going to deal with. And it's 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 a beat down and it's tiring. And there's a temptation of saying, well, man, if I was only in that industry or doing that thing, it would be easier. But the reality is it isn't easier. It's just a different kind of hard. And so everything you're learning right now, every every day when you get up and you like go to go to battle to find more team members and you get up and you figure out how to make that AdWords campaign that you're losing money on work or you, you know, you deal with another team member issue or whatever it is or another unhappy client. You're learning a new set of skills. You're growing your ability. You're growing your mindset. You're becoming a new version of yourself. And that version of yourself will eventually be able to build a big company like in the industry you have now and it will eventually set you up to be able to deal with all those same challenges that if you ever go build a different business or something in a different industry you'll know how to deal with them because you're going to have all the same problems no matter what you go do i've now built multiple companies in multiple industries and everyone has been hard the hardest i've ever built is this business service autopilot and the second hardest was city turf and the next one was you know maybe cleaning they've all been hard and it's been so I feel the need to say that because I just see so many of us and I can hear my mindset sometimes. We all walk around thinking there's an easier way and there's not an easier way. And the economy is moving fast. Technology is moving fast. It's, if you think it's hard now, I predict it's only going to get harder because technology is going to screw with so many people. It's going to make so many people unnecessary in terms of in their it, – it, I don't know how to say that. I'm not talking about making team members like employees unnecessary. I'm talking about – like your competitors are going to have so many technological tools and marketing tools to compete with you that if you're not staying current on that stuff, then life's going to feel pretty tough. And so that's just the game of business. You need to be that bleeding edge. Um, as we wrap it up, last question I think Dave Bonia asked was uh, how to deal with the drought. I know a lot of people in the Northeast are dealing with a drought situation and skip lawns. Um, my opinion on this, Dave, is the way we handle it is we actually write into our service agreement that we charge 50% for skip lawns with less than a 24-hour notice. Um, and a lot of people have some pushback. Well, how can I do that and not be in trouble to do that? But it's more about what's in it for you as far as the consumer. So we, we frame that as we don't overbook our schedules. We provide a quality service. And if we didn't charge for a skipped mowing and save you that spot and that slot to have quality work, we'd have to uh, overbook our schedules to cover for those lost revenues. So my opinion on it, I'm curious what your opinion is, is at least cover some of that fixed cost and make sure you're making your margin because if you're reserving that spot in your, in your, your schedule, um, that's part of your budget. That's sort of the income that you're counting on. And I think if you can frame it to the consumer that it's not a negative, but it's really a positive, we're going to give you that spot on the schedule to provide you the service, the 100% guarantee and quality that we have. That's how we approach it. And that's, we're doing it to protect you as the consumer to guarantee we're not overbooking our schedule. Uh, but I think that in the drought situation, we had it about two or three years ago, worst drought in history in upstate mm -hmm. New York. A lot of companies went out of business. And, and thank God we'd experienced that 15 to 20 years ago when I was in college. Um, that we lost half our revenue for the whole summer. If I wasn't living at home, parents building that business, that would have hurt. Hmm. But that was a lesson I learned that we've got to make sure if we save a spot on that schedule, we're at least covering those fixed costs, the trucks and the different employees um, in the general administrative costs. And Any so, on that? yeah, uh, when, so when you did that, I've never done anything like that, tested it. So I, I'm going to defer to Mike here. Um, however, and I'll, I'll give a couple thoughts, but um, 
when that happened or when that happens, do you find that your cancellations bump up or so people are trying to avoid paying the 50% fee and so they just cancel and they go find a different company or do you feel like it, that doesn't? Oh, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's yeah. one or two, but, but we're very transparent. So a lot of times we're trying to get away from contracts and having a service that runs forever until they cancel. So we're not having those hurdles. But in the estimate document, it's really, it's in bold letters right in there. We literally list that this is how we're operating. If you're going to be a good fit for our business, if you're our ideal client, we're going to charge that 50%. And this is why we're going to do it. Um, one of the things through video that we found was really powerful is we embedded a video in the actual service autopilot estimate where it was me personally talking about it and they could have the emotional connection. We said, hey, we're really doing this for you. We're talking right to them. Uh, the video's framed up on me and we're explaining. I think 99% of the people aren't overly enjoyed that are paying for the 50%, but they know it's coming, they know why. Hmm. Um, and yeah. if we have that call script in the office, basically when that comes up, Christine in my office or Tammy, hey, you know, this is a 50% charge, we're letting you know, but hey, we're not overbooking our schedules and you're gonna get the service you signed up. So Well, I definitely, this the way you just told that there's a great lesson there in that you wrapping a story a true story not a story like fictitious but wrapping a reason a why a story around it is incredibly important if you just charge the 50 percent without the story i think you would be at much greater it. risk yeah. so i cannot speak to that i've never tested never tried it. it's very interesting there's not that many ways to protect you from this risk that's one way having a policy of that another way is to have your business under a contract like so maybe average annual billing where they pay an equal amount every month and then billing their credit card a month and it's like at the beginning of the month which is another way to provide some protection and if you know me this is probably one of the most controversial topics i don't have a whole lot of reasons but i'm okay with it if you build your business however you want i just think i can win against you if you're going to run a contract model business i can i can win and let me give you an example so this is why there's no easy answer so we could react to a drought condition and say, okay, next year I'm moving all business to contracts. And so what'll happen is if the uh, if everything's on, on contract and you have another drought, all those homeowners that realize they're paying a contracted amount for a bunch of mowings that they don't have, I can market against you and say, last year when you were under a contract, you remember all those mowings you paid for that were free, not with city turf. And, you know, and so we can attract you away from the contract and we can win. Now, from that, that advantage that we get by being able to do that, we also carry a big risk. And so I will say that we are exposed in that or any lawn care that it's doing per cut or per visit, whatever it is, you have an element of exposure that we are not protected from. And a lot of companies are not protected from if I don't have it under contract or do what you do. And the contract would be more of the ultimate protector. So, but there's a lot of friction. So if you're quoting an estimate over the phone, and now you've got to get this thing electronically signed or physically signed. That's another barrier. So, so the biggest reason why we I, Ideally, I love that model. Um, there's different parts in the country that for some reason they want a contract. So even if we're trying to get away from those contracts, but in the process, we would call script to say, hey, this is why we're doing it. But yeah. you, you're also opening the back door for your competitors to, to expose that weakness and actually go out and take those sales from you. So I think that's great feedback on that as yeah, well. There's no perfect answer here. I, I will admit, absolutely admit that we are carrying a level of risk in the model of not having contracts. Totally, I mean, we knew it, I knew it from when I quit doing them, but I saw it as a competitive, a strategic bet, a competitive advantage that I could win with and we want. I mean, go we, back, we, it was a winning strategy. Go back to your talk earlier, um, as we wrap this up, it would be, uh, if you're looking and scaling a business from, from the ultimate goal backwards, maybe the option of a non-contract, but just in a reoccurring subscription model 
where they're paying a certain amount each month for just that mowing or the mowing and bed maintenance, whatever that is. But now if you want to go sell that business, now you've got a recurring revenue model. So whether it's a drought or not, maybe you're gonna do 38 cuts and it's guaranteed. Yep. Um, they're so all I sorry, Mike. No, you're good. No, he's dead on. I mean, like there you just need to go try stuff. Like there's an element of things that we're doing that, you know, probably need to be retested. They need to be rethought. Like we need to not say, well, this is how we've done it for the last X number of years. This is the only way that'll work. That's not true. I, I think if you get in the mindset of just trying and testing things to what mm -hmm. you just said. And, and telling the right story and framing things correctly, there's no telling what you might be able to pull off inside your market. But do think strategically about what the risk factors are in that, how will your competitors eventually spin this thing and sell against you? Because they will, especially as you get big, everybody wants you become the focus of everybody. Everybody wants to take you down. Everybody wants to be bigger than you. You become their target. So they're all looking at what you're doing and they're all saying like, okay, how can we sell against them? How can we outmaneuver them? And so just, Think of both sides of the game. Like when you set a strategy, think how it's going to be used against you, but go try a bunch of stuff. Just and once it. in a while, you find if it is a winning strategy, instead of that being a negative, mm -hmm. a lot of our competitors now are charging 50% because they're realizing that you can actually do and justify it. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point here, when you get yourself out of your business, you come to a thing like Academy for Service Autopilot or SA5 is the Academy. You get around other like business owners in different markets and you see what's working in other markets. Yeah. So as soon as you get out of your comfort area in your area, um, go out to these, con these conferences, join things like Academy, because you can see what other like-minded business owners are doing in different parts of the country. And like Garrett Matthews and Chad Cranston, a couple of my buddies we met through SA, um, what they were doing in Shreveport, Louisiana or Chandler, Arizona was so drastically different that it exponentially caused that learning curve and we jumped those hurdles before yeah. we saw them. So um, just want to thank you for your time. You're welcome. Um, Maybe I can leave one last thought. And I'm going to put you on the spot too as okay. well. Um, I know everybody that watches this likes to learn and outlearn their competition. Any new books or anything podcast you're listening to that you would recommend um, to go out and out learn your competition? Um, I remain a fan of Tim Ferriss's podcast. It's probably the one of the go-to podcasts that I listen to. There's a couple others. I'll go with one podcast. It's it's probably the the most reliable podcast that I consume the majority of the episodes. So I like that. Okay. Um, in terms of books. Um, I've read several since this one, but the uh, Principles book by Ray Dalio came to mind when you said new books. I okay. really like that book. Um, I can't remember what else I've read recently, so maybe that would be Maybe, maybe we'll, drop some, we'll drop some names and comments in the yep. uh, in the recorded version. Um, and if you haven't checked out the Profit Roadmap by um, Service Autopilot, Cody and Barrett, unbelievable new guests every week. Uh, the Profit Roadmap, it's on iTunes as well as the other places podcasts are at, so check that out as well. Yep. Maybe one last thing to consume, like uh, if you're in a learning mindset, Last week for Lawn Care Millionaire, so last Thursday, I did uh, it's like a 23 minute video in front of a spreadsheet and it's called How to Grow Fast or something along those lines. It's it's only one week old. I think it's called How to Grow Fast or something. But basically, it's about how to lay out a plan inside your company and break that plan down strategically and get the growth goal that you want. So most all of us just make stuff up. I'm going to grow 30% next year. I'm going to add 200,000 revenues, just made up numbers. Like, okay, great. How are you going to get there? Like, what are you going to do? Like you have clients that are leaving you, you have like service offerings. Are you going to sell more of which service offerings? Are you going to market at what time of the year? It's just easy to make up stuff. It's hard to actually execute on it. And the bigger you get, the harder it gets. So I created a video that I talk fast, but I just say like, Here's what it looks like if you want to grow 30% or 40% here. And I give the example, here's what you got to do. Here's how you have to think about it. 
Here's how you take your top level plan and you break it down into actionable steps for the team. That's the only way you achieve a certain level of growth consistently. You have to get to that place. So we were talking about selling your company. We're talking about planning. There's a number of things that were mentioned in this concept or in this talk or just whatever Facebook thing. <laughs> I've been, I slept four hours last well, night, like four and a half the night before. So just it's, clarity, it's this busy. is the Lawn Care Millionaire video <laughs> yeah, on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever we're doing it, right now, it's been, it's, my shocked. brain's We've not moving done. very fast. So anyway, I would encourage you to go watch that Lawn Care Millionaire video because it's a different way of thinking for many. And it's how you eventually get to a place where you have reliable growth and you're not just making stuff up. You're, you're setting a goal and then you're challenging the goal to see if it's doable. And then you're making a plan to go actually achieve it. And you've got to get to that place in your business. And if you get there, your business will also be far more valuable if you ever choose to sell it. And that clarity is huge too. We have two people say, well, I'm going to grow by 100%. Well, they realize that they're going to need $100,000 to grow by 100%. Yeah. So as you're reverse engineering, keep in mind cash flow and budget. You may want the biggest company in the block, but if you don't have the cash flow to support yeah. the marketing or going out to find those employees to do that work, yeah. that's an issue. So yeah, check, out, check that out. Yeah. I'll quit talking. I can just keep rambling on and on. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, Jonathan, thanks again. Appreciate yep, it. You're welcome, Until Mike. next week, SA Weekly Talk Show, same place, uh, approximately same time. We'll be announcing uh, beginning of next week. Going to have another industry expert on where the SA community just continues to provide value for its users and hopefully future users. So if you have any comments or questions myself or Jonathan, drop them below. We're going to keep an eye on this page here the next few days. Um, so drop your comments or questions below. And we'll get back to you. So thanks again. We'll see you next week on the SA Weekly see Talk later. Show. Bye. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an Estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.